0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. You are listening to The Real Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the
1: show. Hello everybody, welcome to the Real Wrestling Podcast, uh, we're back again, I am as ever, the belt guy Paul, I'm Ads. and today we have a very, very special guest with us, he is the former Progress Unified World Champion, Cara Noir, also known as Tom,
0: hey, look at us going <laughs> up it world,
1: <laughs> literally the first ever world champion to appear on our show,
0: am
2: I? Oh, wow. UI, yeah. <laughs>
0: had, right, like, you are, yeah. We've had, like, guys from, uh, like, WWF and ECW and stuff, but we've never had a world champion
2: until now. Oh, right, thank you for having me.
1: So, um, we'll just we'll just get straight in, into it, and uh, this is the first question we always ask, just to ease it in nice and easy. But before we get
0: into that, if you are new around here, please do like and subscribe. It does really help us out, and it means a massive amount to us. Also, while you're here, do check out store.realwrestling.net, where we've got everything from autographs to figures. As yourself, this is Europe's another world's number one professional wrestler, Gredo here. Real Wrestling Prediction League. Saying up new year in Daphne's on Patreon. There's no right or wrong way to support us, but just know we appreciate you being here now.
1: Uh, who's your favorite wrestler of all time?
2: Oh, god, that's a hard that that's easy question to start (laughs) with. It's uh, that's quite a difficult one, really. Like, who, like, there's there's so many people that like have influenced uh wrestling over the years. I think as as I've got definitely got older, it's changed significantly like now uh, as you know in like uh, now it's like Bret Hart for example and stuff like that uh, you know and how he constructed matches like okay, he can get, I just point
0: out I am like the biggest Bret Hart fan in the world <laughs> like we have a runny joke within the team like that I'm, I'm a bigger Bret Mark than Bret
2: <laughs>
1: right i am actually like just don't mention the rock has a better sharpshooter it sets him off
2: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah like just (laughs) yeah i'll make a point of uh if i've ever taught someone a sharpshooter i say don't do the rocks version because it actually (laughs) breaks my heart Uh, (laughs) i know i know
1: it looks like I guarantee that one comment is going to stay in above anything else from this
0: yeah. that one bit is going to get cut out and sent to the group repeatedly <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah it's uh, yeah but like yeah Bret Hart would be be on that list 100% um, when I was like definitely when I was younger Shawn Michaels I think uh, was uh, especially uh, I got the the second part of his career and then went back and watched it uh, all of his earlier stuff when I was younger but yeah uh, Shawn Michaels would definitely be a big big influence and I think um, you could probably see that in in how I wrestle. Yeah, 100%. You know, I definitely
1: an influence there. Yeah, that, that, absolutely.
2: Uh, yeah, big influence. Um, um, even even you know slightly controversial, but like you know how uh, as a his work rate and how he used to wrestle was um, Chris Benoit was kind of a, a big influence of you know the the intensity, you know that yeah. technical intensity. I mean, uh, no one well,
1: can ever take away the fact that he was a phenomenal
2: worker. That's yeah, sure. as a performer, yeah, he was a, ph- a phenomenal performer. And um, the, um, I think when I first got into wrestling, I wanted to be like, uh, not necessarily so much Shawn Michaels, but I wanted to be like this, the, a technical uh, wrestler, which is quite funny to where I've ended up.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you've sort of like combined theatrics and technicality together, which... Doesn't normally go unless you Rick Flair. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's but you true. You've,
0: you've somehow pulled it off.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. Me, uh, yeah. Um, they're the ones that instantly come to mind. They would be the in, instant come. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah. how did you
0: discover wrestling and like what attracted
2: you to it? Um, I think I watched it as a kid. Like it, like it wasn't really res- uh, really available to me as as a as a child because we didn't have like sky or anything like that and you know mm. no, you know um so it was either either catching it um from friends that, that that had access to it or like sunday night heat i remember i remember very clearly watching sunday night heat on channel 4 them classic
0: uh, uh, sunday night heat matches
2: uh, a bit of sunday night <laughs> heat. <laughs> and getting into just because they would review all the stories and you know you'd have, have some basic matches but um um i think the first like pay-per-view i ever watched was the royal rumble 2000 because that was on channel no i
1: think that's probably the first one i watched properly as well yeah Yeah, that have been the
0: time time. when like channel 4 aired like four pay-per-views a year or something channel 4
1: royal rumble 2000 triple h and cactus jack
2: that's the one yeah yeah pretty good pretty good show to be fair it was
1: it was decent
2: yeah and speaking of like favorite wrestlers for a long uh for a long period of time after that one show was uh taz i really love taz because they brought him in and he looked like an absolute beast and then yeah um,
0: yeah when he beat Kurt angle because like yeah. Kurt angle was like on a massive undefeated yeah, yeah, streak. Yeah, yeah and then taz just comes in and wrecks him and like everyone's like who's taz
2: and then that's <laughs> how you
0: discover ecw
2: yeah that's true yeah yeah the uh, yeah, so that pay per view as a whole was, was, was excellent. So, yeah, like, uh, there's some really good matches on there. Um, if you if even like, I think it holds up to today,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: It definitely holds up, especially in the face of you know the, the product we have today. For it to still be relevant is impressive because a lot of, I think a lot of the older stuff maybe has been a little bit lost in the shuffle in that sense. Hmm. I mean,
0: let, let's be fair though, whenever you've got. Mick Foley in a situation where he can whack out some thumbtacks, it's always going to be relevant.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: always going to be relevant.
1: So, um, what route did you take to sort of becoming a wrestler? Was it a was it a decision that you always wanted to do, or was it something that sort of evolved over time?
2: I think it's definitely something that's evolved uh, over time. The uh, you know, I always like used to throw myself in the back around in the back garden. I'm like my parents, like patio furniture padding uh <laughs> and like you know try to emulate what i saw on tv the um the yeah i kind of decided that um I, I used to do performance and theater and dance and drama and then on the other side i used to do like martial arts and all the way through my teenage years you know I did different styles different influences of martial arts and then different different disciplines of performance and it kind of always makes sense especially when I'm telling people that don't know wrestling you know like why I do it. it it makes sense because the performance and the martial arts kind of intersected and it wasn't until I finished um uh university that I decided that oh I fancy seeing just googling uh to see if there was a school nearby and it just so happens to be a very small school that was just up the road. So that, that got my foot in the door. And ever from that first session, you know, I was kind of hooked of being yeah. like, oh, this is something that I want to do. And it was more of a hobby interest. Let's just do that on the side mm-hmm. of doing something else, you know. But um over 10 plus years, it's 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 evolved into well
1: that's pretty well for
2: you yeah i never like to call it a career but like you know it's definitely taking me on this crazy crazy wrestling journey
0: see that's the thing going back to you saying like you know you, you had that one session and you was hooked like
1: mm.
0: it's, it's the same as a fact like from a fan's perspective as well like if you connect with it as a product once you once you make that connection you're a fan for life and you can't once it's you got its claws in, you can't get away. I mean, mm. our wives will attest to that. Like, they, they get so fed up with wrestling talk. It's <laughs> unreal.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. My wife has actually hijacked the website on two occasions now to write about it, which is great.
2: <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it, it is. It, it is, And you can't necessarily explain to someone why, it's, why you're so invested in this. That's kind of...
0: exactly it. Yeah.
2: You know, that is exactly it world. niche art form and yeah it's uh i mean
1: if you think like the amount of times as a kid you'd say so no i watch wrestling the girl you know it's fake don't you and i know whoa okay you
0: know. So it's Coronation so, Street, but you're still banging on about can... what Gail Platt's yeah. doing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, uh, if the internet is correct, you were trained by quite possibly one of the well, quite possibly the greatest technical wrestler on the in the world today.
2: I know what you're going to say, and that's wrong.
0: <laughs> is it? <laughs> no, you're not trained by <laughs> Zack Saber Junior?
2: Nah, I get that. I get that a lot. So it's funny. It's on. Is it cage match? Something like that. It's uh, everywhere. It is literally everywhere. I don't know how. I don't know how, like me and Zach Save Jr. I probably shared a locker room twice. (laughs) I've I've not actually (laughs) probably
1: trained you, that's incredible. Apparently
2: so, yeah. (laughs) So I I got trained by um, a handful of people, it's probably the best way to say it. So I went from um I spent three years at one place doing it more as a hobby. Um and um uh the person that trained me was very like traditional world of sport his father was yeah, yeah. um yeah. and then from that point on then i went and like trained with the knights to get a different oh, wow style, and then um just did some training with i uh, did a lot of training at lucha britannia and that's where i kind of like for me lucha britannia was great uh London School of Lucha Libre uh because it was kind of like a finishing school because I they always described me when I first walked into the school as this kind of like 50-year-old world of sport because I've would emulated their movement patterns and I would just, you know, everything was kind of that sort of style because when I first learned it was, we only ever did rounds, we only ever did kind of uh, that style of wrestling. So for me, you know, doing more heavily choreographed sequences was a bit alien because i'd learned to work on the fly and did um solely british kind of like the traditional british technical Mm -hmm. wrestling like i was never allowed to climb to the top rope because that was someone else's position on the card and so on and so forth so uh it was kind of a um breath of fresh air when i kind of walked into lucha britannia and working with the knights and um did a lot of training with um you know Carl kramer he took you know he was very he was very giving and uh, with me and kind of took me under his wing uh, for a period of time, you've, yeah. And I think from that point on, like just try to find mentors in so many different areas. So yeah, so there's no, I wouldn't say it was one person that specifically trained me, but um, you know, uh, spending time with, um, uh, for three years in, in the place that I did, I got to work multiple times a weekend in front of family show, family crowds, and all of these old world of sport perform- uh, performers would come through. So I'd learn from them. Um, um, pretty cool. Al Sanders, Johnny Kidd, you know, um, uh, it, it's yeah, the list is quite incredible really, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, is like Sabre Jr., which is quite funny.
0: I think i should probably rephrase that question so like you know you've shared a locker room twice with quite possibly the greatest technical (laughs) wrestler in the world um how did that happen
2: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like uh yeah it's interesting right so it's funny because like um i always say like you have mentors in wrestling right so you pick up pieces of information uh and Uh, and it's always great to get advice from everyone you know i'm a big advocate of you know regardless of your status you know always come back and ask everyone in the room for what you know what did you think what did you like from the lighting guy to cameras to comms you know because everyone's got an input and if you're not giving that particular component what they need to get you across then yeah so it's still a learning process i'm still I would still consider myself as training. Well, I think once you feel like you're done learning, you might as well just stop because you're not going to progress.
0: I mean, I think especially in wrestling, I think if, if you think there's nothing left to learn, I think that's a bit ignorant in a way. There's always something to learn from somebody.
2: Yeah, 100%.
1: So what was your training like in, in the sense of you know, where, where you learn and, going from different schools like you say from where you started to where you ended up
2: not to say I learned wrestling the correct way but I think it was good for me because of the martial art form I've learned it kind of like a martial art discipline uh, I've learned the foundation and and for a long while I you know worked with a very sim- simple character yeah. um, and over the years I've started to find myself as a performer. I think the um, the hardest thing that I found was, um, because I pretty much kind of wrestled as myself really, you know, way back when, um, when you are, you know, an actor or performer or doing theater, you're always playing a character.
1: Mm. and It
2: was really hard for me. I never really understood why it was so difficult to filter um, my intentions through my own you know my own personal character so it was really hard to be like oh well I wouldn't Tom wouldn't do that because um, uh, because that's not who I am I'm I'm quite a pacifist really Um, and but having developing and spending like a year developing this kind of crazy obscure character bringing in different influences and then I can filter everything through Cara's intention which is uh makes my life so much easier because I can then be like oh no I wouldn't do that but what I would do is this um yeah the best example I have is um I know a couple years ago really in my early stage of doing Cara I was wrestling someone in Italy and they were like Oh so I'll beat you up at the beginning of the match and I'll send you off and you give me a sunset flip. Oh no, I'll give you a slap. Then I'll send you off and give me a sunset flip and then I'll pull, and then you pull my trunks down and like show my ass to the audience. And I just said to him, "Mate, if you slap me in the face, Cara's just going to headbutt you." Not today. Cuz you've instantly triggered me as a character. I know I know what the uh, the character how they would respond. And you, so you, you like if you slap me, that's what's going to (laughs) happen. So yeah, I like it's really easy now to kind of be like, I know what what the drive driving force Mm. of that character is, so I can just play that out with ease. So that's great. I mean, knowing your character is obviously
1: a lot of the battle, isn't it? So Mm. being able to subtle nuances of what your character would do is is fundamental, I would say.
0: So I mean, like, obviously, do you have to, like, before you go in like, before you go out as Kara, do you have to sort of, like, take your mind to, like, a different place, if that makes sense, like, get into, like, the mindset of Kara, or is it just, like, a light switch?
2: You just, like, that comes on? Um, it depends. This is a bit of both. Sometimes I can switch it on straight away. It's a lot easier when I have makeup on mm. um, because it's kind of, like, this whole preparation process of getting into a yeah. mindset uh the makeup is a big kind of tool i've tried to do like in like training settings of trying to emulate like emulate car i just can't do it i can't do it without the face on there's something about it that completely changes my uh physiology i guess um the um but yeah like uh yeah and then some some instances i'll be like okay i need a moment right before we enter and I like to kind of fill the audience, listen to the music and and have that um that moment before a match mm-hmm. of understanding uh and reconnecting with the character, especially if there's been a long for example a long break like we we had last year
0: yeah i mean that's that's quite interesting that like we've we've never had that sort of you know responds to a question like that to you know to asking people how they prepare for the gimmicks and stuff like we've, we've never had like oh it's it's two different people we, we've, we've we've never seen it like answered that way if that makes sense mm. and it, it's it's quite interesting
2: yeah the you know the the character itself is there is a lot of there is some similarities to to what is life and mm. i can draw on that i definitely think the the people ask me like students and trainees will ask me how do I get your level of aggression and I just say it's just literally in there it's in there it, it's it's from um the frustrated child you know dyslexic child when I was younger um, to um the the I was quite um when I was a teenager I was quite um quite big and i gained a lot of weight so then there, there's that frustration in there there's 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 so much that that i can kind of draw from you know uh past kind of experiences and trauma to then put that character across yeah. and um Probably
0: externalize that,
2: it yeah and i think the you know it's it's a little bit a little bit stanislaski a little bit method but you know um when I'm in the moment, I've, it's, um, yeah, you're, you're with, the opponent is wrestling Kara, you know, they're not wrestling Tom. And, uh, I've had people say that in the ring, they can, they can feel a difference. It's like a different, Yeah, I mean,
0: you can see in your matches, like when, when, when that switch flips with Cara and the aggression comes out, you can really sense that it's there, if you know what I mean. Like, you can really tell that that aggression is like genuine aggression, mm. like it's come from deep down. Yeah, so I mean, that's 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 what sort of drew me to the Kara character, like how intricate Kara is. Mm. And, and it's it's not, there's really
1: not one or two layers part. to Kara, there's there's layer, there's layer upon layer. And mm. It's it's really interesting and fun to to watch those layers sort of
2: get peeled back and see what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, layers on layers. I kind of um see wrestling like a, I've always tried to describe it like kind of like a cake, and there's like so many layers within this cake. Um, you'll have like the real and then the performance part and then so on and so forth and then you just build it up until it's like this huge piece
0: yeah totally get that so um can you remember your debut match and who it was against and how did it go
2: uh yeah it was it was yeah uh, my debut match is probably about you can't find it thankfully it was never recorded. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh the my debut match was versus a a guy called alan Lee travis and it was probably i was also in the main event of this match which is, uh in of the card which i should not have been um <laughs> and it was also it's just come to me and it's the first time i've ever remembered this its was it I think it was hair versus hair, and I shaved his head at the end.
1: See, I actually know the name Alan wow. Lee Travis. I've met Alan Lee Travis a couple of times.
2: What a memory. If, you know, I've not thought about that for ages, and I've forgotten it was hair versus hair until this moment. But, yeah, it was uh, – and I was completely lost. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I think that, yeah, I just had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd only been – I don't think I'd only been trying for three months at that point. Well,
0: speaking of like, you know, only training for three months, we once had a guy on the podcast called William Hollow and he went to a school to try out and Mm. he had 20 minutes worth of training and they chucked him in the ring in front of a crowd. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I hope it was something simple like a rumble or something like that. No, No, it was a (laughs) one-on-one.
0: It was a singles match. oh guy. I think it went. I think it was like 15 minutes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> by by comparison, Tom, you were a seasoned pro after. <laughs> yeah, you were at that point.
2: <laughs> yeah, three months worth of training, season pro. Yeah, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and yeah, and I think uh, just remember getting lost the whole time, and not <laughs> not even looking at the audience, being like, oh god, what what, what, what am I doing here? Well, you I'm gonna go out like... on a
1: limb and say that it was you that lost your hair that night.
2: No, I didn't. No, no. I oh shaved, wow! I, I end up winning and then shave shave their head. Um, Not a bad yeah. debut, though. Really, that's a pretty good debut, as it goes. Yeah, it's a pretty good debut. I think. Yeah, I'm quite thankful that no one's ever got a recording of this. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure someone <laughs> may have. Someone. So but... if
1: anyone out there's got a recording of that, send it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure it is shocking. I'm sure it is dreadful. Yeah. but we've all got to start somewhere i always see like wrestling like comedy right you have to go and do your open mic sessions and then you have to stand up in front of people and you have to completely foul and (laughs) and and do that over and over and over again before it starts to kind of make sense of why things aren't landing exactly if you
0: don't fall on your face you're never gonna learn
2: yeah and yeah. I think it's harder now, like, because everything's recorded, everything's on demand. Yeah. So it's, there's no permission for, for, for new trainees uh, and new wrestlers to actually go out and make mistakes.
1: Yeah, everything's very, called question very, very quickly nowadays, isn't it? So, mm. you know, you can have a guy who's been, who's only been wrestling for, like you say, a few months, one mistake and everyone jumps on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And of course they're going to make mistakes. Aren't they? they're, yeah, they're, absolutely. You know, it's, That's. I think we should be a bit more forgiving of of people in their, as I said, wrestling journey. Yeah. 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 At the
1: end of the day, everyone's still human, aren't they? I mean, I you know, I watched NWA this morning and Colby Carino messed something up, and Mm -hmm. you know, it is a bit. Yeah, it happens. You know. Yeah. Sometimes the timing's just a little bit off. Sometimes other external factors take effect, and it just for whatever reason something goes a bit wrong. But that's no reason to you know write someone off, is it? So.
2: Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's okay. I think it's uh, you can it's makes us seem human rather than it's gonna, to realism. It's
0: yeah. it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah of it's, it's is. just it's just the nature of wrestling, it's gonna happen.
2: Yeah, I always use a um um if I have a student at the minute that's kind of deflated or gets to the end of the yeah. session, feels like they're stuck or they're not developing, or or they just had a bad day, right? I, I always say do me a favour, just go and find um, Tom Dawkins versus Pete Dunn. Just type that in. Don't type Cara Neumar, type Tom Dawkins versus Pete Dunn. I said, go watch that match. Just watch how dreadful I am. It's 10 years old, it's on YouTube, and it's... <clears> and <throat> it's um, Pete yeah, is significantly better than I am at that point, but we're <laughs> both still learning, you know, uh, And it's and it's... It's great to have as a reference point to be like, you know, I remember showing my partner, you know, a couple of years ago when she was, you know, she also, you know, dabbles in a bit of wrestling and uh, I told her to watch it and she just turned to me at the end. She was like, you were shit. And I was like,
1: yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nothing like the brutal honesty of your partner to make you feel good, eh? Lovely. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you've wrestled under quite a few different names, then obviously your own name, of course, as well as from what I believe, Dark Lord, uh, El Pavo Real, and Pure Britannico. Yeah. Um, so have you got any sort of backstory on where these sort of names and gimmicks came from, and you know how you developed them?
2: Uh, Dark Lord was literally one of those ones that was thrown at me, being like, oh, you know, it wasn't my gimmick, it was someone else's gimmick, and uh, they wanted that person to wrestle the Dark Lord. Um, so I ended up doing that. But it's great because the Dark Lord character was essentially a Kendo Nagasaki ripoff, really. Um, so the the advantage of doing that is that I would... Uh, do the opening match as myself, black belt Tom Dawkins. Yeah. Do the third match with the the, the other guy. Um, and that was always uncalled because we never had a, time, a chance to actually, so I got to learn to work on the fly. And then I would do the rumble where I'd wrestle with Tom Dawkins, get thrown out pretty early and then come back in as the diehard. <laughs> so I do, so every every show, yes, it was an excessive amount of work and I was exhausted by the end of the night, but I got... To learn so much at that period of time. So, four uh, times
1: quicker.
2: Yeah, exactly. Three times quicker. Yeah. Um the so yeah, I got lots of experience with that. Uh, so that wasn't my creation. Um, um yeah, the um Pure Britannico was a, a uh Britannia um kind of uh, character. They had their um the they had the Britannicos, which was um, Will Ospreay was one of the Britannicos, and Paul Robinson's was the other, and and then I was the third. Um, oh wow, so yeah, there was, company, yeah, yeah, so there's um, so that was the first time I'd really kind of got a chance to work and wrestle Paul and Will and uh, work that you know, bear in mind, I went from the world of sport style to then working with those guys um, at Lucha Britannia doing that kind of Luchador character and that was great because it was pretty much non-verbal and I got to learn to express without kind of relying on camp show tropes and trying to make everything bigger so people can actually see all my features. But I think that's really where the start of that came from. But yeah, unlike Kara, that was a year of development. A year of development like you know, from um, hearing Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake, the piece of music that was performed um, on one of the Lucha Britannia shows, one of the um, cabaret eyes did a kind of piece to it. And I was like, oh, that'd be really good for an entrance if we, you know, if you did that. And I was trying to and that was where the inception started and just being like how can i because i love matthew Bourne as a as a kid and, you know i'd went to see i've seen some like multiple times like the uh, matthew Bourne's version particularly and i was like oh how do i get this into wrestling because that would be really really good entrance mm-hmm.
1: uh
2: and then it just evolved from there and then constantly um Writing the description, character description, over and over again, and collecting loads of in- images on Pinterest of different kind of obscure makeup designs, and 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 then pitching it to people on car journeys, or my partner, or and she's great because she's um, um, she's got a degree in fine art, so you know the whole their whole yeah. skill is to crit each other um so i would pitch her an idea she'd be like no that's rubbish you can't do that and then i'd have to then go back to the drawing board and then redesign it and that's why i say it took a year and then eventually i remember pitching it to um the guys at lucha and maybe for about six months and it got to a point where they're like yeah sure just do it just do it i'm sick of you asking now uh, I wore them down <laughs> i wore them down and uh From that point on, I think the first time I did it, I felt like, okay, I have something here. I think everyone was kind of gathered to watch me kind of foul and, you know, don't step out of your box, even though they were all supportive, but there's always a part of them to be like, this is so odd and so obscene that everyone wants you to kind of like foul, I think, to a certain degree. That Yeah, that's the deep down energy that I use and still use to this day. Every now and then I'll sit there before I walk through the curtain and go, everyone in this room and all the audience want to see you foul. And then I walk out. That's my intention. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, you know, the further up the ladder you get, I think it's easier to poke fun at, you know, people's mistakes as we were talking about earlier. Mm. Um, So I guess it's a kind of a good energy to have, I guess. <laughs> for for me as a character, I guess.
0: I completely like see where you're coming from with that. It does make sense. And I mean, it really does bring something and add something to the Kara character, like I was saying earlier, like it really does make it well, it draws people to Kara, I, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean you kind of already answered the next question. <laughs> so we um, the next question was how did you come up with the Cara gimmick
2: (laughs) as I said after the year of kind of the prep and then if you go back and watch um, because I'm sure there's some early Lucha Britannia stuff it wasn't just the gimmick but then the story of how to introduce them uh, introduce the character Uh, I kind of like the idea of this kind of like prima donna that put down demands and stuff like that and was always meant to be a heel always meant to be a heel because I was like I like the idea of my long entrance uh, entrance being about four minutes long because i'm stealing the audience's time i'm taking it away from you and you have to sit and watch me regardless of whether you boo jeer and you know uh you know shout at me when i'm doing my entrance i'm going to steal your time and you have to sit and watch me um so that was the original intention Obviously, uh, that's not how it turned out, which is quite funny, because <laughs> regardless of where I go, people shush each other as soon as I walk out. <laughs> it's like a collection of shh. Uh, At the end of
1: the day, it's the fans that decide whether you're face or heel.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, yeah, where where the character's gone is not where I would th- uh, thought it would have ended up going, but it's definitely matured. Um, and yeah, experiment is key. Like, uh, through so many different styles and so many different influences and I brought in like elements of clowning and um, trying to be obscene and push kind of like more of an adult um, style of wrestling for a long period of time and then um, using kind of like Uh, people's boundaries against them. You know, there's a reason why I I used to lick people for a long period of time. I was
0: literally just going to bring that up. Is that where the licking came from?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, it, it, it got criticized, you know, more in recent years as, as, as generating queer fear. But actually for me, it was very authentic because there was, I, I, when I was younger, there was a point where I got held down by a couple of guys who were like beating me up when I was a kid. And, the only way I got out of them holding me down was the guy got close enough and I just licked his face and he let go and I got up and just ran. Right. And I just remember that clearly. I can't, com- you know, he was just so kind of taken back by that moment. He forgot where he was. And that was the initial idea. You know, the idea is just to completely bring people out of their, their game and get into their head and to, uh, uh, I remember my sensei uh, when I was younger, my karate teacher, would say, um, "If you get into a, f- you know, if you ever get into a fight with someone, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you just want to get out of there quick as possible, do something really obscene that frightens them, and then run. Um, you know, that's he, where he said these, that's where you know, that's where the lit came from.' Like, just scream at them, shout at them. They might back off for a second to give you enough space to go." You know, and that's that's kind of that was where the idea came from. Um, so, yeah, I was I just you know wanted to play with different things. I uh, went to see a performance called Laid, which is actually being reshown back in Soho Theatre recently, which is done by, uh, which has been directed by a really good um, performer that uh, that specialises in clowning and uh, and it's all based around eggs. The whole performance is based around eggs, and I'm going to go back and rewatch it. And I saw it come out of that and was like, how do I do this within wrestling? I'd love to be able to bring this concept and put it into wrestling. So, yeah, I just tried everything to throw out the wall. And it, that was when I really started to just enjoy performing. Mm. And I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think that enjoyment of performing is what's transformed her into to, to where I am now, really. It's, yeah. you know, everything. I just enjoy it so much. And when we're we're putting stuff together and matches, I don't think about it as, you know, you know, oh, this will be, you know, the awesome move. I literally sit there and go, Oh, that would be funny if I did that, wouldn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's like it's all about kind of like tension and release and like work, you know, understanding and studying comedy and building this tension in the audience and and then releasing it at the right time, like you would tell a joke. It's it's that's how you. I feel like I'm getting reactions. I'm being like, oh, that would be so funny if I did that at that point. Um, so I think the more disciplines I brought in, I think uh, the, the more fun I've had doing doing the character.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much answered the next question we had as well. <laughs> It's like uh, he's sorry, reading I'm his mind. Ahead. I was going to say, did you send in the question? <laughs> <laughs> as, as you mentioned, Cara was originally supposed to be a heel, but you soon became a face due to the elaborate and theatrical entrance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So as obviously you've already said a little bit into it. So what was the creative process in in creating that spectacular entrance?
2: So I worked with uh, a couple of performers on that. And uh, I remember just rehearsing it around the ring and showing them what it was. And then even the first version, it was um, kind of not structured in the correct way. So I worked with a lot of like, um, I ended up working with um, also a um, deaf performer that was all about physical theatre and the main thing about the idea of the entrance, particularly, is you know, obviously because of the, all the theatricality of it all as well. But I also wanted something that was, I felt like I won before the match died. Right. And um, if you're familiar with kind of like body positioning and stuff like that, and yeah. know, just standing here,
0: like victory it's, pose.
2: It's the victory pose. You see people cross finishing lines and they throw their hands up, right, and that that it's kind of a it's a it's a great state to be in so if you um can stand in front of everyone and do a victory pose you know you've already won before the match has even started and that's kind of freeing because if you feel like you've already accomplished something massive before the the bells rung you know it, was, it doesn't matter whether the what the result is you know you've 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 got them and that that's that's an incredible feeling to have and um, and that's you know that's the biggest that was the big that was the hardest thing about performing in front of no audiences because you don't have that you're trying to connect through a camera
1: yeah that's got to be really difficult um you know
2: yeah and i can't imagine
1: what that's been like especially you know with all the 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 chapters that have been on the WWE network and you know watching the ones I have and it's it's so difficult in an empty arena to really portray what you're tr- the story you're trying to tell I imagine
2: yeah it's been interesting I think uh, you know not just progress but across the wrestling industry some people have thrived within that period of time some people have massively struggled mm. um, and I think it you know it shows that maybe wrestling doesn't work without audiences to a certain degree and i think that's 100 true but then also it shows how strong of a performer you are if you can cross yeah. over without yeah. the audience being there and yeah. um every time we did the progress tapings uh, particularly i felt like i tried to bring something for someone that was sitting at home you know and tried to connect to that that one individual I don't know whether that worked but um I'd like to think that that was I mean my I
0: can say that it did when um when you came obviously when you came back and it were uh, was it chapter 105 you came back on and um your match with Dan Maloney like you really did like as, as you as to use your terminology connect through the camera mm-hmm. so it, it you definitely achieved that one
2: thank you yeah and it's hard because silence is for a lot of wrestlers is uncomfortable um,
0: yeah, I can imagine that.
2: But also, it's,
1: it's, it's very difficult.
2: Silence can be very powerful in the right, at the right points. And I think it's, it's okay to, you know, if the audience is silent, they're watching. But if there's no audience, you've got no feedback. But luckily, we have well, during the recording, particularly, we have um, comms not too close, uh, not too far away from the uh, ring. So I can hear everything and I can hear how they react and what story they're telling. And I'm reacting oh, you build on to the match. how, yeah, how they respond to certain parts and, and rather than kind of guessing how the reaction is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was incredibly helpful.
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, in stark contrast to, you know, wrestling with no crowds and stuff, your breakout moment came in July, I think it was, of 2019, uh, when you faced off against the world-renowned PAC. Yeah. Um, I think that was for Riptide, if I remember correctly. That's right, yeah. Um, obviously, like, PAC is a huge name in wrestling, and uh, to be honest, this is possibly one of, if not my favourite British wrestling match ever. And um, I mean, what was it like to work with him and, you know, just like, you know, obviously you, you kind of exploded after that match with Pat. Like, what mm. was the reaction? How, how was the reaction for you afterwards?
2: Yeah, I could I, I could feel the change, you know, I got in, in, invited to bigger and, and, and you know, um, bigger shows. And I could feel that, you know, I never believed it was going to happen, let's put it that way. Like, mm. I, I remember when it was first pitched to me that the, this was going to be the case. And I've had opportunities to wrestle uh, mm. loads of like big names or big imports that, you know, like last minute they get pulled or something happens or what have you. And then it never transpires. Mm. Um, so it wasn't until I got there on the day that I was like, oh, he's sitting in the corner. OK, that's actually going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could just imagine that being a bit surreal, just walking in and pack sat in corner.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, like uh, it, it's it's you know that and a few other matches. They're the ones that that made me, I think, and I think that's the you know I think the catalyst before pack was me versus uh, S- speedball. Yes, um, and then from speedball to pack, that was. Incredible. And the the audience were because it was so unexpected as well. They didn't know. They knew something special was going to happen. They I entered first. They they just felt it. And then when when Pac entered, they were just white hot. You know, we could have stood and just looked at each other for 10 minutes and they would have been with us. They were it was, they were so true. wanting to see something special at that point. Well, and, they definitely did. And well, yeah, thank you. And it was just great kind of Opportunity for me to prove that ten years of work in in one match, you know, and um, I f- I feel that sometimes, especially in wrestling, some people get opportunities too early, and then they always get found out, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Either they're not in the right place, or they're still developing, and but standing with Pac at, at that moment, it, it felt. I felt like I, I belonged in, in that space and it kind of gave me the self confidence. Um, yeah, if it, it gave me it just, it just gave me the self-confidence to believe like, okay, I can I can create a a a good match with with you know people of the best. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was it was yeah, it was a privilege. And I think that yeah, if that match hadn't happened, I don't think I'd be in the position that I am. Tonight,
0: I mean the match <laughs> itself for me was just non-stop, like banging spot after banging spot after banging spot. I mean, when you when you clapped on that black hole sleeper on Park, I was just like, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm like he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. Like, I was so invested in the match; it was unreal. I mean, yeah. I, I must have watched it like what. Fifty times on YouTube or something like that. It is. <laughs> it, it definitely, definitely stands up to anything that I've seen anywhere, and it is, like I said, probably my favourite British wrestling match that I've ever seen.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's it still crops up and it's it's mentioned every now and then, and it's always good to go back and kind of enjoy that moment. And I think. Um, I only saw fan footage for a long while of Mm. uh, something my partner recorded from the balcony and just watching, I remember getting back that evening and not really kind of taking it in. And it wasn't until I sat down and watched it. I think she'd went to bed at this point and just sat down and watched his hit me enter and then him enter. And kind of just every time he walked out, I was just like burst into tears because I was like, Oh, it's so intense. It's it was such an intense moment (laughs) of you know, of re- uh, the reaction was so huge that I kind of, uh, yeah, uh, it was hard not to kind of react in the ring in, you know, in that way because it was so overwhelming.
0: Especially in, like, you know, in character as Kara as well. Mm. Breaking Kara's mystique sort of thing. Let's, let's, let's not smash <laughs> that gay <gayfabe> too far <laughs> open.
2: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, sometimes. It's sometimes good to break the fourth wall. I think that's okay. <laughs> it was September
1: of 2019 that you debuted with Progress. It was part of the uh the Natural Progression tournament, wasn't it? Yeah. Um and if memory serves, you got to the semi-finals but lost to the eventual winner Scotty Davis. Yep. Um what what was it like working for a promotion like Progress at that time?
2: Um my, I think where i was i was kind of it was a good step in the door a uh, foot in the door it was a good opportunity for me to kind of sh- you know show up and um um I, I went in with the intention of not doing a quote-unquote progress match but to do my match do that's ride, the reason yeah. why i'm here yeah, yeah. um and uh, i had two great opponents of Dan Maloney and Scotty Davis. And um I just knew that I'm just going to show you all the best of what what I can what I can do. But there was also a little part of me that it's the NPS it's for people that have mm. relatively newer in their wrestling journey and at that point I remember even tweeting out i had been wrestling for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I'm the oldest person in this tournament. <laughs> I think I'm one of the oldest. I'm actually the oldest person that ever wrestled in the MPS. I think. Really? Um, yeah. That's an interesting fact. <laughs> yeah. So I was a bit like, mm, um, yeah, like so. It was it was a great opportunity and a great um, uh, way to kind of introduce myself to the audience. And I think also. For me, it was more important for me to not win that tournament mm. because Kara, a lot of Kara's success is um, a tragedy, really. And I think that not always winning, and that's what happened at Riptide. You know, I got to wrestle pack by losing every single match. I don't think I've ever i don't think I've ever won a match at Riptide. I don't know. I think you I have never the, noticed that. The yeah, long, I exactly. That you won't. I've, I've, I, it's the longest losing streak <laughs> at pro at, 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 at Riptide, and I've never, yeah, just never won a match. You
0: never noticed that. Ever, no one remembers yeah. that. No, because you're just like, you're so absorbed, like in the character in the match and what's going on that mm. you, you just forget exactly. that. Yeah, I have never ever noticed that. That's that's a bit mind blowing. That,
2: yeah, that's. Yeah,
1: that's I not can't
2: that's not, picked up on not that sure? <laughs> I am shooketh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I felt that it was it, it was okay. It was okay to, you know, that was uh, that was that was my role, and that was great. But I also knew what the next night was going to be. I also knew it was Alexandria Palace, and I also knew I was about to walk out in a surprise singles match with Pete,
0: yeah,
2: which was his last match, yeah, um, on independence. So, so I mean, um, I was very thankful for for the for the whole experience, and and um, it's you know if I flash back, what was it about a year when they did Wembley,
1: mm-hmm. being
2: quite upset and like when they did Wembley, they're like all my friends are there, and I am not involved. and yeah, that's I, I was at I was at car. the Wembley
1: show. And yeah, and it, I it, couldn't it, quite believe that you weren't there.
2: It's a big moment in in, in 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 British wrestling. But I didn't have a relationship with Progress at that point. So it's understandable. But the, you know, I used that energy and came with that energy when I then performed for Progress, being like, mm. you know, you're not going to deny me this this opportunity kind of thing. And yeah, it just snowballed. It snow it's snowballed
1: from there. And thankfully, that match with Pete was a lot better than a certain one
2: from a decade earlier on YouTube, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both matured by that point as, as <laughs> almost, um, yeah,
0: well, I'm sure next time I'm sure next time progress ends up at Wembley, you'll be uh top of the card,
2: <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: So I mean, segueing nicely on from that, um, you have wrestled alongside and against some big names in progress, such as Trent Seven, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bay, uh, but none have been thought well for us more prolific than your series with current United Kingdom WWE United Kingdom Champion Ilya Dragunov, and I mean those matches were.
1: Lightning in a bottle. Yes. Absolutely
0: incredible. I mean, how did you two just manage to keep creating magic and like every match just you know up in the ante every time?
2: I think with when you get two people that are a little bit insane and stick them together creatively, I think that's what you get. <laughs> you yeah. get carried versus Ilya said that's probably the
1: nicest way you could describe Ilya dragon actually yeah <laughs> yeah
2: he's a uh, he's a uh, such a creative performer and wanted to yeah, do a very like, intense guy very intense and and was driven to do something unique and different with this relatively new entity in the world of progress, you know mm. he he didn't have to be as giving as, as he was. Uh, I had a feeling it was it was it was going to be a good match. I didn't think it was going to develop in the way it did, um, and I felt that unbeknownst to us, really, the it, it it was great to see it as a three and have it develop into this kind of like full circle performance. And each match references the previous, and everything is interconnected and. Um, it all just, just clicked didn't it, yeah, it just the, everything the psychology
0: of the trilogy was
2: just
0: incredible. Uh, hmm.
2: and and I'm, I'm you know i'm very thankful to him and you know and his experience to as i said it's great to work with someone that's that's you know uh, slightly mad as well because <laughs> you can um, um, it's important to have someone to rein you in and also it's, it's also important to have someone that's willing to push um, push you creatively and challenge you and be like you know argue with you be like no your character wouldn't do that or yes your character would do this and we'd be doing this and you know it was um, by the end by the last one like the last match that we did um, um, of the, of the three matches um i was severely unwell i'd been um i had neurovirus uh, oh, nice. <laughs> and uh um uh, when that when the match ended you know genuinely burst into tears because was like how the hell did i get through this how the hell did i get through this match and um he couldn't yeah, tell I was just at all. So, <laughs> I was just so <laughs> thankful for to Ilya and 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 everything he'd given me by that point because um it was yeah like thank you for looking after me and thank you for creating something special that I can go back and watch and present as a piece of art to people that maybe don't know what I do or or, or off you know off and just bring something different to what wrestling is that's what it was it's it's something something different and it's your own interpretation and some people love it some people be like hate it and that's great because that's what art should be you know Yeah. and and I feel that I don't know whether I could even attempt to replicate that with with someone else and you know on that note I'm
1: not sure it would be possible and and
2: even down to the the you know we end up doing the four-way for the title and then it came down to
0: this is the next point we've got in the list. He's
2: doing it again. He's reading his mind. I'm jumping out. I'm reading your mind. Right? And then jumping, yeah, jumping to your next question. <laughs> the, um, the four way, you know, uh, ended with me and earlier in the ring. And there is that moment where we look across at each other and be like, Oh, not you again. <laughs> like, why, why are we back in this position? And there is that moment of, and I think because that, that was
1: perfect. It was like it, it was like it was meant to be that way. It, everyone, storytelling
2: is finest.
1: Yeah. Everyone watching that thought of course it was coming down to these two. Of it course it was.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's it, the perfect person to finish with. You know, not to take anything away from the, the other two competitors in the ring. Yeah. But it was the perfect storytelling to finish and very unexpected it was a very so, unexpected finish yeah it a, so, so obviously,
1: of speak, speaking of ilia dragunov then so obviously you, as you just mentioned you faced off against him uh kyle fletcher and paul robinson to to capture the vacant progress unified world title and if if memory serves you're now actually the longest reigning champion in its history um that's correct. So, yeah What's the story behind that? How did you find out that, you know, you were the guy that they were putting their, putting putting the championship on? Huh. Um
2: Not until the last minute. Oh, wow, really? Because I, me as a performer, I'm, you know, again, very fourth wall breaking, but I, I I like the idea of, Everyone benefiting benefiting from a decision. Yeah. Like the audience have to benefit, the promotion has to benefit, I have to benefit, and my opponent has to benefit. And if I feel at any point that it's selfish or leaning towards me, then I will argue until I'm blue in the face that it's the wrong decision. And I think on this occasion, I was being too selfless and I said it wasn't right for me to win that title. For about two hours, I argued.
0: Absolutely not,
2: not me. Certainly not I. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until I walked through the curtain and I could feel the energy of the room, and then the three count happened that I was like, I was wrong, and I'm happy. It's my time alive. now. You know, and there was, yeah, people. It's it's great in wrestling because you can't describe what a pop is to someone that doesn't know wrestling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You feel that massive reaction from the audience because you've built that tension up s- to such a high level that the room pops and people are jumping around. They're hugging each other. They're elated. They're in tears. There's like this whole collection of emotion in the room. It's completely overwhelming. And um yeah, that, that's a very rare... It's very rare to to have that, you know, to the genuine, you know, everyone on board with the decision that's been made and happy for the result. And uh yeah, it was it was a great reaction. And I do remember sitting down afterwards because it's it was such a from going from wrestling to pack to winning the progress title, it's very short.
0: I would say you um, climbed very, very quickly within progress. Yeah.
2: Yeah, very, very short. And I remember sitting, uh, I don't drink, right? But I went to the pub afterwards and I had a beer and I sat there with my partner and a group of friends.
0: Were you wearing uh, the belt? No. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I, I was been, not wearing the belt.
1: I wouldn't <laughs> be wearing <laughs> that belt. In a pub? <laughs> no. That's that's a cup, I there. take mine anywhere I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always, it's 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 in ba- Splish, splash, I was taking a bath. do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah I, I, you know, behind, behind closed doors, I'm very kind of like a quiet, reserved, uh, you know, shy individual. And uh, I remember looking at my partner and going, like, what do we do with this? Like, what do we do with this? Like, I don't understand what just happened. It, was, it took us weeks to understand really emotionally what happened in that ring.
0: I can imagine yeah. that. Right, like, trying to wrap your head around something like that. Obviously, I mean, for me, Progress is probably the biggest UK promotion that we've got.
1: No, and, no, no doubt, Progress is the biggest. And
0: mm-hmm. You're there, and you're their guy, and, and you're spearheading that company.
1: Yeah. You're the I mean, top how
0: how the do you country. get your head around that? Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. It's... it's... Yeah, it was incredible and and um I'm very thankful because it's it's taken me in multiple different directions now. Just just having that opportunity. And you know, um <clears throat> I'm very thankful for to be a part of progress, regardless of being champion or not, because even during periods of time where we had the first lockdown and we had all of these or, you know, and there's loads of, you know, everyone had to pivot.
0: Pivot!
2: (laughs) Pivot! You know, into different formats or going online, you know, because we could no longer apply our uh, craft. You know, I have other businesses, you know, but, you know, they also had to pivot. Pivot! And the the best, and, you know, they gave us an opportunity to work when there was no work, you know, in front of... um, in a theatre setting, which I was very thankful for. Um, But also, even just being... They they provided, like, counselling support for all the performers that had wrestled on their show. And I feel that... I've done interviews recently and I feel like no one's ever mentioned that.
0: I didn't even know that Progress
2: had done that. I mean,
0: I've seen nothing about it at all
2: they didn't they've not promoted it they've not promoted it they've not said it and i think it's the first time anyone's ever said it Me saying it now but yeah
1: that's that's no. really good because that shows that they weren't doing it to say oh look exactly look what we're doing. it was more like we actually care and we want this yeah. to be yeah. i mean this was obviously i remember when the whole me too movement came out or the speaking out movement sorry mm-hmm. um there was that big government um Investigation wasn't there, which I believe you were part of as well. Yeah, and I mean, what what was the outcome of that in the end? Did anything really come of it? Or well, the
2: thing is, it was they were generating a report to yeah. see where, how, and and what they can do to benefit the industry as a whole and mm. actually recognize it as as a performance art or a sport or whatever that was the debate, um, and how they could you know, and um, it's they've, yeah, they've created the report and it's still available to read and it's, you know, it's an interesting read of, you know, kind of like a slight history of wrestling behind the scenes. Um, but it's also interesting to think that where the shortfalls are and, you know, us as performers are artists and we are stunt performers and we have multiple amount of disciplines. Like I've recently been doing um some stunt choreography work for a a sitcom um that should come out next year but the oh, that's pretty cool yeah it's, it was an, an amazing experience but it made me realize that wrestling is stunt work what we do is insane stunts we are performing mm. and like i was like why on earth are we not recognized by the stunt register <laughs> that's you a know. good point but, <laughs> point actually yeah that's a bad point
0: if you take a look at the um, the NXT Halloween Havoc and Io Shirai falling from the ladder, mm. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was an insane bump that she took off that ladder.
2: No, I She wow.
0: basically fell from the top of a ladder to a ladder that was positioned between the ring and the announce table. Fell from the ladder from the top, neck first onto the ladder that was positioned on the apron and the announce table. Mm. And if that's not stunt work, I don't know what is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's insane. insane.
2: But yeah, so it like, you know, going back to the report, I think uh, they, you know, it's, it's about figuring out and, you know, working out what is the right direction to go in. And, you know, and that when we set up the school, which is, you know, Play Fight London school, that was our ambition to set up a safe space that is insured, that is, You know, we, me and Claire both have coaching qualifications in other fields, gymnastics, personal training, uh, general body mechanics. You know, um, we're both first aid qualified. We run a first aid course so that other um, promotions could come and benefit from being a part of it. And there was a handful of places that took us up on that. Um, We, uh, you know, we are trying to be more inclusive. And so we, you know, have taken it, um, we're just trying to do a wrestling um, properly. <laughs> That's yeah. probably the best way to say it. Not to say other schools aren't, but I think there has been a, I think the problems that will come from wrestling are not school just- school with morals. But mm-hmm. the moral from the school. And from my own experience to how I was taught, I was mature enough to know how to navigate through a toxic environment, mm. right? However, you know we only work with eighteen and above, you know, like adults. But um, even with with those guys, you know, being like, yeah, this is not this is not how you act, you know. You, you know, you leave your ego at the door. We're, mm. we're humble. We're performers, and it's it's not about being the big man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, flexing your ego. It's about, you know, we're all in this together and we, you know, you want to make your opponent look good as well as yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's still a working process and creating le- legislation, more, it, is. Uh, it takes a long time, you know. So we'll see what comes from that. I think that um, it'll be great to see where wrestling is in, in a couple of years' time.
1: Mm. Definitely. The other, Definitely. the other big important question is does the title have pr- pride of place in your house
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes it does it's uh it's uh She's wearing it now
0: <laughs> i have to
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's actually in the other room but yeah i i, I have to keep it out of reach of my daughter um, oh my yeah i know it. the feeling <laughs> um because she'll she'll want to run around with it um yeah because now she's she's two and a half. So she's she knows she knows what it is and she's been in the ring because we obviously we have the school and she's yeah. she's actually quite she understands what it is and she's like um, it's it's great to see her. She's come to one or two shows recently since she's been a little bit older, and it's yeah. she's she always talks about Daddy Show and that every time I've come backstage, she wants to put me, put plasters on me because she's like, oh, you've oh, got a, a bad knee or you've got a bad thing because I was selling a body part. So she'd come out fast as well. Or she wants me to put my, my makeup onto her before a show. So yeah, no, unfortunately the progress title was not uh, <laughs> not on <laughs> display. That she can reach. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've
1: learned from experience. It's a bad idea.
2: so speaking of the
0: title um, at the start of your reign it was only a couple of months before the UK entered lockdown Mm -hmm. Um, when wrestling returned in the UK you came back um, with a bang at Progress 105 um, defeating Dan Maloney and retaining the title in an absolutely stellar showing Um, and it was like you didn't miss a beat um, how did you keep the ring rust like you know from setting in and you know during the time away how did you keep yourself used to it
2: uh, I don't think you ever get used to it I think by you know um, because they were taped in blocks I think by the time we got to the third day I was miserable and beaten up and <laughs> sore and hurting because I'd lost the callous of wrestling yeah I lost that kind of conditioning to it um as as a kind of uh I don't think there's any way to kind of physically train for wrestling but um luckily you know um I was able to kind of keep myself active keep myself doing certain things and um I was um had access to, oh, I had the opportunity to wrestle in September of, oh. uh, um, beforehand in the Catch Grand Prix in Germany. Oh, wow. Uh, so I kind of got my uh, opportunity to see, you know, slowly throughout that tournament process of, you know, what I'd kind of physically lost and, you know, whether I needed to improve and, you know the loss of confidence that's mainly what it is a lot of mm. people lost confidence you know in their own performance skills because everyone was worried Um, but even to the point where I know I was rusty because on my in the especially in the catch Grand Prix tournament I did my entrance and spiral down to the floor and then as soon as I come up I rolled my knee and I was like I rolled my knee on my entrance <laughs> like just just like silly things like that, because I hadn't done it for <laughs> you know, you know the wrestling bit was fine. It was just my yeah. Entrance. The
1: wrestling was fine. Was the entrance, entrance. That, that was the tricky bit? Yeah, yeah. My entrance is dangerous.
2: <laughs> apparently, uh...
1: <laughs> wrestling at home is fine. Kids just don't perform entrances. Yeah, that, that's that's, that's,
0: the, that's <laughs> the new finisher, isn't it? That's Kara's new finish. They're just gonna make you're just gonna make his opponent do his entrance, and that's it. He's won. <laughs>
1: <laughs> forfeits due to knee injury
2: <laughs> it's funny to say that because i have had over the years people try to replicate my entrance in different promotions and stuff like that or they'll dress up as me and you know as a joke and come out and do my entrance it's always funny to watch someone else try to do it because you make you realize actually it's not that easy <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I've, um, I've... I've tried it and it's it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've also had um, a couple of intergender matches as well. Uh, Laura Di Matteo being one opponent and I believe Sue Young from Impact. Yes. Is it different yeah. working an intergender match than it is like a, a regular singles match that you might have against someone like Dan Maloney? And how how does the psychology differ to what you would do in a
2: in a match that you would normally take part in? um it's interesting because like it's a funny word intergender i don't i never Mm. really i always saw it as just wrestling i think it's mainly because of lucha britannia it was always just wrestling you know you know monkeys wrestled zombies for example and you know regardless of you know who they were um and it it's kind of um it's just different like as in like um yeah if if you're in like in front of a family audience you know then they're not going to like you you know necessarily you know striking a female uh that's exactly uh, it isn't it it's that perception but also i don't think there i think it's just wrestling now i don't think it's you know i think it would move past the idea of you know because it's 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 the it's like the avengers you know no one gets upset when you know Black widows, widow's those You know, flies, like it's like it's exactly the same thing, and that's kind of how I see it now. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's it's great to kind of, you know, be able to uh, wrestle people from different, uh, you know, different genders and stuff like that. And and mm. and I, I, the only thing that I think is to even think about storytelling wise is the I always put it down to weight and size because it's realistic, mm. you know. For example, Laura is significantly smaller in frame than I am, so the only thing I have to consider i feel is that um my strike ratio if you are wrestling if you are genuinely fighting someone that 's half your body weight they 're going to have to hit you five times to your one
1: mm.
2: and that 's how I would construct a match, and that 's how I think about it because of you know my previous experience in in fighting and martial arts it's like. Yeah, it, it's. I, th- I think it's. I think it's, refreshing to see, and I think that, yeah, some audiences aren't attuned to it, and it's mainly a trickle down effect from, the WWE, which also yeah. has, yeah, know, I mean, which Impact, has done their own intergender stuff. I was, as well. I was
1: just going to say, yeah, Impact, um, Impact are um, now making steps to balance it, yeah,
0: hmm. with the digital media championship being, you know, open to everybody. Regardless yeah. of gender, like you know, they are making steps in that direction. And going back to like you know the Attitude Era, I know like it hasn't aged very well and stuff, but we had the gender stuff then, and nobody yeah. batted an eyelid. And then everything mm. became so PC. And then I think now with gender equality, I think it's something that you know maybe some promotion should look into opening up.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think so too, and and reptiles were particularly good at championing that. They didn't really refer to it as anything other than just another wrestling match.
0: So, um, what's next for Cara?
2: Oh God, that's a difficult question as well, a bit like the first one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard to say. I think um, you know, it, it it it'd be interesting to see where the, the journey. Um, we end up I think and more travel is probably the, the way, where the future is you know I'm doing a lot of stuff outside the country over the next few months and I think that that's great it gives me more opportunity to kind of visit and see places uh, as well um, and get to wrestle different varieties of people and I think as things start to open up we'll, we'll see what that that also means for the rest of the world I guess I feel that there's more to be done yeah. In a independent capacity. Um, mm-hmm. And there's more opportunities in in different locations around the world.
1: Noir versus Darby <laughs> Allen. I'm just putting it out there. i <laughs> putting that out there.
0: I want to see a tag team between Noir
1: and Danhausen.
2: <laughs> yeah, there, there, that, 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 that one comes up quite a lot. Yeah. We'd have to call it Noirhausen.
0: Noirhausen, <laughs> 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 yeah. i think the stuff you could do with Danhausen would be incredible
1: yeah it would be like uh,
0: just
1: two people that
0: completely get the characters when you put them together like that it's it's just magic
1: Uh, do you have like your social media profiles anyone can find you and follow you online
2: or yeah just um just type in karen you'll find it yeah (laughs) you know it's it's not Hard to find, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's such an obscure name. You'll find it. Are you everywhere? Are you Instagram, um, Twitter, and Facebook? Yeah, the lot. You know, um, yeah. very much
1: like us. Everywhere, can't escape you. Yeah, exactly
2: right. Yeah, if you want to find me, you'll find me. It's like a theatrical rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, that about wraps it up from us. Thank you very much to Tom for joining us today. It's been a genuine pleasure. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you back on in the future if, if the time allows. Yeah, thanks uh, as ever, um, thanks, thanks for joining us. Follow us on all our social media and uh, give that like that uh, like and subscribe button a smash for us. And uh, we will see Big you next Big old super time. click. <laughs> Big old super click, yes. And uh, we will see you next time.